You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning, and thank you for joining me for The Scoop with Tanya Flanagan. I'm so happy you decided to wake up and start your day with me. Here on The Scoop, where we talk about life, joy, funny moments, trending topics, and so much more. We promise to keep you in the know and find out what you know. So, let's get started. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to the show. I am so happy that you're up with me this Sunday morning. Um, As you know, it's October. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Last week, we ushered in our first edition in the series where we're talking about breast cancer throughout the month of October. So we have four shows dedicated. This month, we're continuing the journey, and I have two wonderful guests. I mentioned that Avis Brown Riley would be with me for the duration, so I'm happy to have her in studio again this morning. Good morning, Avis. Good morning, Tanya. Thanks so much for having me. It's always a joy to see you. Thank you. And this week joining us is Dr. Beverly Mathis, a legend to many, a friend to (laughs) even more. Um, and just a, a role model to, to, to all of us. Dr. Mathis, thank you for getting up this morning and, and joining us. Oh, I cannot think of any other place to be. So thank you for having me. And good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. The, what, the thing we have in common that we all wish we didn't have in common, but we do. Um, well, we wish we didn't have breast cancer in common because we would all probably prefer not to be breast cancer so, have had breast cancer, but the thing we do have in common that is the good thing is we are breast cancer survivors. And so this morning, we're just going to talk a little bit about what the journey was like for each one of us. Um, You heard a little bit about Avis and I on the last show, and I'll um, peel back the onion a bit more for myself. But with Dr. Mathis being our our new guest this morning, uh, Dr. Mathis, tell us a little bit about your breast cancer story and what happened to you. Okay. Guys, when I had breast cancer, I was a beautiful 35-year-old black woman that I felt was just in the prime of my life, right? I was the right size because I exercised every day. I I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I worked every day, and I just thought everything was perfect, and... You know what else I did every day? I made sure of, I made sure that I had just taken care of myself, right? Because I did my breast, um, I, I, you know, evaluated my breast uh, every day, basically, because I did the feeling and the touching and the making sure that everything was all right, I thought. I did the yearly checkup. But to my surprise, the April, uh, the year of 88, 89 school year, because I was uh, an amazing first grade teacher at that time. So everything was just, you know, it was just, I thought, perfect life, right? Living my best life. And uh, we took our daughters to, because we were both educators. So during spring break, 
spring vacation, which is in April, which was in April at that time, we took our daughters to the zoo in California. And guys, my oldest daughter wanted to ride an elephant. So we got on this elephant. Now think of this. I had gotten up that morning. I had showered. I had dressed and saw nothing, right? But when I got off of that elephant ride, all of a sudden, I had this big lump in my chest. And I, I, and I, my husband and I kept saying, oh, you know what? It's probably, you know, because of your cycle and your glands swell, blah, blah, blah. Well, this uh, big lump appeared in my chest. Well, being in California... We waited until we got home because I just thought it was just going to go away, like it appeared. Well, it didn't because we stayed in California for the next couple of days at the, you know, just vacationing with our daughters. And as soon as I got back to Las Vegas, which was the, that Friday, Saturday, I contacted a doctor, guys, and the gentleman said to me, Beverly, you have breast cancer. I have I had no breast cancer people. My mother died with all of her parts at the age of ninety two years old. My you know, I had no breast cancer history in my family, right? Once he told me it was breast cancer, he suggested that I get a second opinion, which I did, and they had Stated to me, the doctors, both doctors, that it was so close to my breast bone that they were just almost assured that it was within my the, my bones. But guys, as God would have it, uh, it was not in my bones, and it had ju- it was just in the area of my breast. So I had surgery. April 15th. So listen at that. That's tax day, right? So I gave more than what was asked. Doing uh, had, That's the way to I look at it. <laughs> I had my surgery on April 15th. Oh, they removed my breast, and I did have uh, the the remake and all. But that was in 88-89. And I did, because they removed it, they told me, 22 lymph nodes, mm. I did not, and, and none of the lymph nodes had had cancer in them, so I was given the opportunity of, of not having to take a chemo or any other treatment, just had to make sure that I was visiting the doctors basically each month for a long, long time. And then, of course, you know, the, the every six months, well, first every month, then every three months, then every six months. So, wow. and let me tell you how long that has been, guys. That was the 30, April 15th of this year, 2023. It will, I will be 36 years mm. of breast cancer free. Wow, that's that's the testament. I think that's and and that was one of the reasons why I so wanted to have you include your story, because it's powerful to hear 
from a woman who had breast cancer and has lived mm-hmm. three additional almost almost four more decades because that those are the yes, stories that yes. we yes. and to have been diagnosed in the late 80s mm-hmm. exactly. um, yes. and to have made you know this journey Avis I want to um, give yeah. you a chance to share your story and how your and then I'll I'll share mine yes well. so you give me hope Mm -hmm. by sharing that story 36 years cancer free so I'm 13 years cancer free so I'm gonna actually start from the very beginning 2010 I was diagnosed with invasive ductal carcinoma and stage Mm. four and I went in for my yearly mammogram January 2010 and they stated that something appeared to be abnormal can I come back in for my follow-up, which I did a few days later, and then I received the final notice stating that everything appeared to be normal, but in actuality, it wasn't normal. They should have diagnosed Mm -hmm. me then, January of 2010, with stage one. So as I continued on with my life, you know, being a mother, a wife, uh, operations manager for FedEx Express, coaching golf, uh, wearing a lot of different hats, per se, I, I... always lived a healthy life and I mm-hmm. when I heard you talk about mm-hmm. your background and you know wow I, I did everything that I was supposed to do exercise eat right, right. And, and take my mm-hmm. vitamins what have you and I too was the first person in my family to be diagnosed with breast cancer so mm-hmm. I in May of 2010 is when I found two lumps so I was bathing and I found the two lumps under my right arm pit mm. and they were hidden under the right muscle so not one but two one was benign and one was malignant so I made the phone call to my doctor immediately I was she brought me in and says hey Avis let's go ahead and pull some tissue and we did that and within three days I received a call back from my doctor Patricia Pissinger saying Avis I'm so so sorry but we have uh, some sad news that you have been diagnosed with stage four breast cancer And so Mm -hmm. I was very, very fortunate that I was in the best hands with my Dr. Julie Barone Mm -hmm. and Dr. Jennifer Fisher as my oncologists. And they treated me as if they treated themselves because they, too, was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I'm very, very thankful Mm -hmm. to having the best doctors in La Jolla. And I just want to give praise to God for allowing me to continue living this amazing journey that I'm on. And I believe Mm -hmm. he saved my life for a purpose because I'm living out that dream today. But just going back and thinking about how challenging it was to have to go through aggressive chemo and aggressive radiation where my normal Mm -hmm. weight was 135 and I withered down to 115. So I was just totally Mm -hmm. bones, Mm -hmm. you know, losing the hair, Mm -hmm. the whole nine yards. And and Mm -hmm. because I had stage four, we had a private nurse in my home. And unfortunately, I was not able to allow others to come into my home because I I did Mm -hmm. not have the immune system to fight off any bacteria. But it was really hard for my kids. My daughter was 12 at the time and my son was nine. And they're very, very supportive along with my husband and my family. So I'm just so happy that I'm here today to be able to speak, encourage and engage with women to let the listeners Mm -hmm. know that, hey, uh, yes, it may be a battle, but we're going to start it and you're going to finish it and keep that mental toughness. 
Keep that mental toughness. And I can share with the listeners that uh, as being a professional golfer, being one of the best junior golfers in the world at the age of 10, I was able to develop my mental capacity at full capacity. So I needed that not knowing years later that I needed to pull that mental toughness back into place so that I too can get through uh, a very challenging time in my life. And I never asked why. I just felt that God was using me as a vessel. And so today I travel around the country promoting my book, Building of a Champion, but also talking about breast cancer. And it's a pleasure to just be an ambassador for the American Cancer Society because they were very instrumental in helping me and providing me with all the necessary needs that I needed to get through uh, the challenges that I was faced with. And I remember the first time I found out that you had breast cancer, I was like, what? I think I might have been going through one of my own own, um, bouts with it. In my case... I was 32. My mother had died four years earlier. She's 29. My mother mm. died from breast mm-hmm. cancer that metastasized mm. to her liver and then her bones. She was 58. She would have mm. been 59. Her birthday was 1999. I've always been um, a little special, a uh, gift of discernment. I see things a little bit, hear things. Things come to me before they actually come to pass. And I mm-hmm. see them in vivid color. And I remember as we were laying my mom to rest, I have two brothers, two older brothers. And the middle brother said to me, we've always been very close. And he said, are you afraid that you're going to be diagnosed with breast cancer? And as I hugged him, I looked at him and I said, this baby can't handle the truth. And I don't know what it was, you guys, but it washed over me. And in that instant said, you will have breast cancer. And I said to my brother, no, I'm not afraid because I knew he couldn't handle it. Four years later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And the hard thing for me was not um, dealing with the, was at the first, I'm a three-time breast cancer survivor, so let me say, um, at the first diagnosis, it wasn't dealing with the breast cancer, it was telling my family. As my Mm. father was still grieving the death of my mother, his, his wife, mother of his children, and as my brothers were still just adjusting to, there's no more mom. Because I had, you know, that mom that was like you guys. Christmas was everything. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving was everything. Easter was, you know, family was everything to her. Exactly. And yes. so I was working at the casino at the time. I had been, I came here in 95 as a reporter for the Review Journal. And I did that mm-hmm. for five years. And then I transitioned to gaming. And I had just left the casino, actually. I just I had just left the casino and joined, um, started working in the community with um, one of the Clark County commissioners. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'm good, I'm busy, I'm moving around. My mother passed away, and then shortly thereafter, my aunt passed away mm-hmm. on my dad's side. So I had a maternal and a paternal space dealing with breast cancer. And that's what prompted me to mm-hmm. want a mammogram. So at an annual check-in with the OBGYN, I asked for a mammogram. And they said, oh, we don't Mm -hmm. do that. Let us, you know, refer you out. So I went and got this, what I thought would be this baseline screening for a mammogram until Friday Mm -hmm. night when the, I get home and I check the mail and in the mail is a letter for Stein from Steinberg diagnostic medical imaging telling me I need to find a surgeon because they have abnormalities in this mammogram that Mm -hmm. is done. So the, the situation with the mammogram was my aunt, my dad's sister who lived here was my mammographer. So my aunt did my mammogram on my breast. My aunt had the radiology tech triple check it 
Because why? Mm-hmm. This is my niece. I need yes. you to be 100% sure that what you think you see on this report is what you think you see. So so from the time I did the mammogram to two or three weeks later, whatever, when the letter comes in the mail, my aunt is just sitting on this information, Mm. waiting for her phone to ring because patient client privilege. She can't call me. So she had to wait for me to call her. And I remember getting a letter on a Friday night. So there's no one to call because it's about to be Saturday and Sunday. This Mm -hmm. was the hardest part of my initial diagnosis with it. Um, I remember calling my best friend in Arizona and saying, I got this letter. Mm. And she was like, girl, shut up. I was like, girl, let me read it to you. So mm-hmm. I did. The next morning was a Friday night. Saturday morning at 10 a.m. I'm up in the house doing some stuff. My doorbell rang at 10 a.m. I opened the door, you guys. That girl was standing at the door. She said, there's no yeah. way I was going to. She had gotten up at 3 mm. or 4 o'clock in the morning or packed that night, whatever she had to do. Mm-hmm. Got on the road by 5 a.m., and trekked across that desert from Phoenix to Las Vegas and said there was no way I was going to let you sit in this house and wait till Monday to Mm. call somebody by yourself. And those are the moments wow. that it's like, that's that love. Yes, love. That is love. That's that, love. That, yes. you know, those are the, the things that have held me up through it. But I ended up finding out that I had ductal carcinoma inside too, stage zero breast cancer, um, in my right breast, which is basically when, as we shared in the first show of this segment, mm-hmm. breast cancer is contained to the milk duct. So if they, it's like um, having a cluster diamond ring, to give you an example. And one of the, there's a problem with one of the stones, and you just take mm. that stone out. And in the case of a diamond ring, it's maybe not okay. But in the case of your body as a breast, everything else is okay. So to say that it's just affecting one stone in the cluster. Mm-hmm. So it's just affecting one duck in the in the breast. And um, mm-hmm. they removed it. I declined radiation because in my spirit, I just couldn't settle on having my, I just didn't want radiation. And I went into uh-huh. a place kind of like you, Dr. Mathis, where I um, had to get checked every six months. So I got a, a mammogram, yeah. then I got an MRI, mm-hmm. mammogram, MRI, mammogram, MRI. This went on for four years. I was diagnosed mm-hmm. the first time in 2003. I hadn't had my 33rd birthday yet. In 2007, I had a second development. Mm-hmm. Same thing, ductal carcinoma, inside two, stage zero. Same breast, mm-hmm. pretty much same area. Well, let me back up my first one. I had three different areas that were at risk, uh, 7 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. We never did anything with the 11 o'clock. It was so deep. Um, turned out to be nothing. So the problem was at 7 o'clock. 11 o'clock was not mm-hmm. breast cancer either. Mm-hmm. So I had a second occurrence and um, went through and got scheduled for surgery. Well, what happened with that one causing, we think, the third one, the radiology tech who put the bracket in. So what they do is they'll have markers in your breast if you've had mm-hmm. a situation. And it tells doctors mm-hmm. where the breast cancer cells were. So in my case, because they did breast conservation, I just said a lumpectomy. Here's a marker of where the breast cancer was. So this mm-hmm. is the area before. So they know here's where we're looking in the past. Is this new? Whatever. So the radiology tech put my marker in for the surgery in, the, in some kind of crazy way, in the wrong place or wrong way. So when my surgeon goes in, I'm under anesthesia. I'm out. She's ready mm. to do the procedure. It's marked wrong. She has to call the radiology tech and she's like, what have you done? It's unclear where I'm going. What, do you, what did you do? 
Mm-hmm. So she extracted cells, woke me up, told me what happened, and then said pathology report came back clean. So it was either the biop, the pathology report, what she extracted was either I had no other cancer than what we found in the biopsy on the second round, mm-hmm. or she had missed it completely. Hmm. About nine, six, and mm. about six months later, when I was due for a mammogram to keep tracking what was going on, I felt a lump under the surgical mm. scar, and I was about five days from my scheduled mammogram, and it came back mm. that I had mm. breast cancer, and they considered that my third diagnosis, and that became the you know journey, journey. The second one, I was angry. I have to, mm. you know, stick a pin in that and let you know that. Yes. I felt like I had already done this. So I was on a second journey. Right. And mm. the third one was the one that ended up being chemotherapy and hair loss mm. and all this other stuff. But my journey is long. Um, and you're still here. Yes. So yes, this is God. from mm-hmm. my first one. Yeah. I am at 20 years, you know, as we share our anniversary years mm-hmm. from the first diagnosis. It's 20 years later. 20 years later. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, my anniversary is December 13th, being 13 oh. years coming up. Yeah. But, you know, it is a journey. It is. Yes, it, it is. is. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I said, I'm not Avis. I, I wasn't as strong as you, Avis, because. I did question it. I did. Cancer doesn't always mean death. And to believe and trust, you know, trust that God is going to do exactly what he promises, and that is to take care of us. So that's my, you know, I at that time I had a seven-year-old and I had a four-year-old, both daughters. And I shared everything with them mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. every the way you know every physical look i talked about it at, because this was my hope and prayer was that my girls he and ashley would never be afraid to mm-hmm. face whatever the tide whatever it is because i wanted them to know that as god took care of me he will take care of them. And, and uh, Tanya, I heard you say family. Family is everything to me. Extended family, yes. everything. Yes. Yes. Church family, everything to me. Yes. All, with, with all of those people praying and being just a part of your life, letting you know, hey, you're okay. You're all right. And, and with uh, just great doctors, I had great doctors who mm-hmm. suggested mm-hmm. because of my age, because of the stage, because of everything, hey, we need to remove this whole breast. We need to get all of those tissues out. Right, to give you your best chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You and know, and nowadays, yeah. nowadays with that, when they do it, um, women are having double mastectomies. Yes. Because right. it, there was right. a time when it first started, they were only going to deal with the breast that was involved for mm-hmm. the most part. I'm not exactly. saying it was yes. limited to that, but it was the first. Oh, my gosh. Once but again, yeah. we're we're in a place where we're down to the last five minutes that so we can talk about this this morning. And I know we're going to bring more of it this month. But um, Dr. Mathis, thank you for sharing your story with Avis and I. 
I want to just ask each one of you to share something that you would leave listeners with who are facing a diagnosis in the middle of a journey, Mm -hmm. dealing with a loved one who's going through Mm -hmm. it, trying to figure out how to be a good support system to that person. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're talking about it from the female perspective, but let me by no means discount. It's not just about women. It's about husbands, sons. Mm -hmm. It's about boyfriends. It's about sons. It's about grandsons. This is breast cancer. I remember um, as a journalist taking my mom to radiate to a radiology appointment one time and sitting around waiting with other people um, for her to come back or them to finish up with the radiation treatment that day and seeing the the concern and the sadness on people's faces because mm-hmm. they were all there for a loved one who was not well who was a breast cancer patient and I said to myself wow the faces of breast cancer it is so different mm. yes, on everyone is. I could see the worry on a husband's face mm-hmm. the sadness on a, a daughter's son's face the lack of understanding for a child just you know why are we here Mm -hmm. um but it just has this effect on everyone and the effect is different but what say you to encourage yes i like to encourage the listeners to make sure that you go and get your yearly mammogram it's the uncertainty that brings the fear factor Uh, There's nothing to be afraid about. Go do it. And you'll feel so much better about yourself. Uh, Breast cancer is the most common cancer in women in the United States, except for skin, excuse me, except for skin cancer. Uh, Approximately 12.9% of women will be diagnosed with female breast cancer at some point during their lifetimes. In 2018, there was an estimated amount of over 3 million women living with female breast cancer in the United States. And as of the end of 2020, there were 7.8 million women alive who was diagnosed with breast cancer in the past five years, making it making it the world's most prevalent cancer. So in 2023, an estimated amount of over 200 over to almost close to 300,000 women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in the United States. I was watching the news here the other day in Vegas and I saw that there are over 2,000 women that are are diagnosed here in Las Vegas alone. So I just encourage everyone to go out and get your mammogram. Uh, Stay positive about it. It's a mental fight, uh, but you have that mental strength to get through it. And you will get through it. Yes. Dr. Right. Mathis, right. I'm going to give you two of our you last three what? minutes. I, what What do you say? Really quick. I know. First of all, I, I echo everything that you guys have said. But my, my first one for sure is, you know what? Um, make sure that you go ahead and check yourself. Check your body. You know your body better than anybody else. And you know when that little, the spirit is saying to you, hey, this doesn't feel right, or that wasn't there before. That's true. Then don't just excuse it. Go and see about it. Yes. And then talk about it with your family. Talk about what it is you're thinking always. Talk about it. And then, guys, these organizations, they are just great breast cancer organizations that are right there to help. 
Yes. And yes. they will help. And just keep remembering, you know, we are, who made us? Keep remembering that. And just mm-hmm. keep trusting God is my statement. Just keep trusting God and just move forward. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Keep Amen. living. Keep living. Yes. Okay? All right. Thank you so much. It, it was just, And, you know, just talk to the people that you know. Tanya, you're a great, great, great resource for thank women, you, Dr. men, <laughs> for all of us. So thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Tanya. Thank you mm-hmm. both for spending time yeah. this morning on the radio show talking about this. It's so important. Um, not just this yeah. month, but but every month and all the time. As Avis mentioned, so many women and families are affected by breast cancer. I want to thank mm-hmm. you all for tuning in. I hope you have gotten some great takeaways. Um, I hope that we are encouraging you and answering some questions, giving some hope in this month of um Breast Cancer Awareness, we are going to continue to do that this month. It's not something that you can sum up in 30 minutes or an hour, so we're going to give it its due diligence. Thank you for tuning in this week, and I hope you'll join us again next week when we have another interesting and enlightening conversation about a not-so-wonderful topic, but one that we can't quite get away from just yet, Breast Cancer, right. for Breast right. Cancer Awareness Month. Thank you, ladies, and have a wonderful Thank week. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. 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 I want to thank you for tuning in to The Scoop with me, Tanya Flanagan. And I want to invite you to get social with me. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. My name is my handle, T-A-N-Y-A-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N. You can also find me on Instagram at Tanya Almanize Flanagan. And if you have a thought, an opinion, or a suggestion, don't hesitate to shoot me an email to tanya.flanagan at unlv.edu. Thanks again for joining in. Stay safe and have a great week.